troubling is the return of the Zygarians. It is likely they mean to use Dooku to rebuild their slaver empire. We cannot allow that, Master. Agree, I do. But first, find the colonists. You must. In great danger they are. What is it, Master? Sand Saiju, a darker hand in this mystery. Slavery, a great tool it is for the rise of the sin. There's over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars binge where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and in Denver is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast. This is true. This is the sound of my voice. Yes, it is. We are wrapping up last episode. This is part two of our deep dive into Kidnapped. This is season four, episode 11. Yeah. I have cracked open the Dragon's Milk bourbon barrel-aged stout from the fine folks at New Holland Brewing Company in Michigan because I am celebrating. I tried Dragon's Milk not that long ago. I, I got a cocktail. I had a cocktail on the patio of, a, of a, an establishment that I got a Manhattan and it was done up with uh, with a, yeah. a nitro and yeah. a uh, and a Dragon's Milk, which was Woo! which was something else. Let me tell you. Only had one. Only had one. <laughs> Speaking of dragon's milk, there was a character I forgot to talk about in our last podcast. We we ended our last podcast talking about enslaved people who ha- who spend their the rest of their lives trying to get past their origins, their um their early years. And I imagine that you know where I'm going. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Right? Daenerys Targaryen is the perfect example of this, of somebody who, who can't get past her her past abuse. God, ooh, that's true. And of course, she, not in similar form, but certainly it's the case that Vader's story, Targaryen's story, these just end tragically for those, those characters because um, they can't make the turn. No, yeah, absolutely. I rewatched Game of Thrones the second time. I really liked it. Oh, and part of it is that I didn't realize how many times they are telling you she's going to kill everybody. You know this, don't you? Do not become what you have always struggled to defeat. I know the Mad King earned his name. I'm here to free the world from tyrants. But what great thing has ever been accomplished without killing or cruelty? That is my destiny. And I will serve it, no matter the cost. They won't obey you unless they fear you. I have a gift for you as well. Your life. When my dragons are grown, we will take back what was stolen from me. They can live in my new world, or they can die in their old one. I will crucify the masters. I will set their fleets afire. Kill every last one of their soldiers and return their cities to the dirt and destroy those who have wronged me. We will lay waste to armies and burn cities to the ground. And you have been known to lose your temper from time to time. When have I lost my temper? <laughs> and and you just blow right past it. Oh, that couldn't happen. She's only killing the bad guys. She's killing all the bad guys for all the wrong reasons. That's the thing. I am Daenerys Stormborn of the blood of old Valyria, and I will take what is mine. With fire and blood, I will take it. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. I saw that coming. I was not surprised. Or you, you would have guessed from yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was executed very well. But yeah, it's like no, they've been dropping clues from like the beginning that like she's gonna kill every. She's gonna yeah. become the villain. I just don't think they did it well. See. I think there's probably two camps of rage at the end of Game of Thrones. One is the, <laughs> I don't think they executed this well. And the other is, I was really pulling for her to make it and to to emotionally get to that place 
where she overcame because that would have been a, a true hero's journey, she, you know, coming from where she's at. Yeah. At the beginning, abused by her brother, essentially handed off into sex slavery with this, you know, this gang uh, of horsemen, you know, yeah. I don't know what else you call the Dothraki, but I wanted to see her rise out of that and take power. And I think that that story connected to a lot of people in, in the place it ended just pissed them off. <laughs> She, unless, unless she wasn't supposed to be the hero of that story, and that's the that 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 was the thing where I think mm. people just didn't want that. Yeah, didn't want that story that the guys who set out to tell that story wanted to tell. Yeah, I agree. The other character is a Star Wars. Well, there's two Star Wars characters that have a story similar to what we were talking about before: enslaved people who need to wrestle. One is Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. And the other is Echo in the Bad Batch series. And I don't know what they're going to do with Echo, but Echo, I think, is the most interesting character in the, of those five. Yeah. Boy, I didn't think about that. Think about Echo. There's a lot of Echoes here with Vader. Like, somebody went ahead and s- described him as more machine than man the other day. Yeah. Liter- literally said that in the first, uh, in the first episode. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not, uh, well, that's not promising. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't usually end well. Man who's getting body parts replaced. And uh, that happens all over Star Wars. Yeah. With Saul Guerrero, with Vader, um, with Maul. Luke. And with Luke. I suppose Luke Luke figures it out by the end. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, we can talk about that movie in a few years. <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> Well, we're going to pick up in the episode, and we're going to cut to the Kyrus throne room. It's now utilized by Darts Dinar, who is the slaver. And we see a hologram, and another Zygarian standing next to Dooku, who says, The last shipment has been received, Dinar. I understand the Jedi have attacked. Why are you still there? This is the only reference to where the enslaved people went. Oh, yeah. I didn't even catch that. I think it's the case that on first viewing, I was I was kind of confused. The the streets are all abandoned, and and I I missed this line, but it's huge in terms of because essentially Ahsoka and Anakin are destroying bombs that weren't going to hurt anyone anyway. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But Dinar has a plan. Dinar has vengeance in his heart, just like Anakin does. I think they're, they're, they're kind of foils on that front. And Dinar says, I'm going to make the Jedi pay for their arrogance. I have them right where I want them. Do tell. You see Obi-Wan Kenobi rise up on an elevator from the floor into the throne room. And the commando droids are posted and they turn their guns on Kenobi who raises his hands. And Kenobi does not know that Dinar's the only person left on the planet. <laughs> but uh, they're going to have a conversation. Yeah, see, I think that's I think that's real clever. It really is. That, that they just let that play out. And Dooku catches on from the hologram. Dooku says, Gentlemen, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jedi Knight. <sighs> and I'll bring him to me on his knees. With pleasure. Bait and switch. It's like we said in the fir- in the in the first one. We didn't say who was surrendering. We obviously have a misunderstanding, my friend. Obi Wan hits uh, a button on his wrist, signals to Skywalker, who is able to listen in on their conversation. No, you are wrong, Jedi. Am I? You're no doubt aware your droid forces have been destroyed. Then you are surrounded. Do the honorable thing and give up now, Dinar. I promise you will receive fair treatment. You've broken through my defenses. You think you've won? Think again. I have planted bombs all over the city. No one will survive. Now, surrender. If you're not bluffing... Oh, see, there it is. (laughs) I missed that one. And he is. Then I must concede. But you'll have to make considerations. First, you release the colonists. Here is my counter-offer. Actually, Obi-Wan thinks the bluff is about the bombs. 
but there is a bluff and it's about the colonists. Yeah. That's stellar. That's a, that's, that's great writing right there. I'm <laughs> yeah. That the, they're gone. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even. <laughs> Tactical droid that is standing next to Dinar shows the counter offer and he hits a button on a detonator and a bomb explodes outside. And I found that shocking the first time. Same. Right? Yeah. And so there we are. We're with Obi-Wan. He's blowing up people now. I need to reconsider, you know, my my strategy. Few questions for you. First, how do you like Obi-Wan as an ambassador here? Uh, not great. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> I mean, I like him. He's just not doing a good job. <laughs> Apparently, he can't read bluffs very well. Yeah, no, just just a little too sure of himself, and uh, <laughs> yeah, not 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 uh, not doing his best, not doing his best work. Second question here is a lot of stories have the tension that's built in the story around something like this. The bad guy has a bunch of bombs. They're planted all over and they make us feel uneasy because he's got the detonator Mm -hmm. or she's got the detonator. You got a favorite movie that's kind of got, got that as the premise. I no, no, honestly, I was trying to think about it. One of the only movie there's two things that come to mind. One is quick, and I'll say it now. One of them is a Saturday Night Live sketch that then got turned into a not excellent movie <laughs> called uh, called MacGruber that Will Forte wrote, and it's sort of a parody of MacGyver. And each of the Saturday Night Live sketches are him trying to defuse a bomb and then getting sucked into sort of squabbles and arguments with the people with him, and then invariably the bombs detonate. <laughs> I I've no memory of this yeah they're funny the sketches are funny the movie was it's a macgyver parody so it's you know right. hand me this hand me that hand me whatever his co-workers are buzzing that is total incompetence and it, it gets derailed but um in, in terms of like a movie where there's a uh, like a bomb that's about to go off the only one that really comes to mind is the movie The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Oh, sure. That was the, the just for for whatever reason, that was the first thing that that came to my mind. They have to disarm that um, germ warfare bomb that's going to go off and yep. kill most of San Francisco, or infect most of San Francisco. You're a long way from home, Captain. How the hell are you involved in this? Oh, I have a unique knowledge of this prison facility. I was. Uh formerly a guest here the first one that popped to my mind was the beginning and the end i suppose of uh, a fight club mm-hmm. that tyler durden has planted all these bombs and that's that kind of has the tension there has this kind of resolve speed kind of has this the there's a bomber yeah there the De, the dennis hopper character really like speed so i think that movie holds up it's enjoyable speed two on the other hand <laughs> was just a bomb Hey, <laughs> I don't think it's quite the same thing, but the Dark Knight obviously has quite a bit of bombs going off around the city, either oh, yeah. blowing up girlfriends or, you know, trying to blow up boats. Just love the Dark Knight. Uh, we talked about that last time. And I know that you don't like this this movie, but I think it's it's wonderful. It's uh, is Toy Soldiers with um Samwise Gamgee is is the main lead. I don't dislike that movie. I don't oh. think I've ever said that. Do you like Toy Soldiers? I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but it's I don't hate it. I think I have deep affection for it. it like all the twelve year olds in that movie, where I was watching it when I was twelve, going, "This could totally be me." <laughs> <laughs> right. If a drug cartel ever breaks into my prestigious <laughs> private school, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, easily, I'm on it. You have seen these orange wires running throughout this building and outside. These are wired to explosives. If any one of these wires is cut, the explosives will go off automatically. If any of the individual explosives are tampered with, they will explode! Well, there you go. Lots of bombs in that. It has a very similar ending to uh, this episode where the bad guy goes for the detonator and nothing happens or it, it starts the remote control plane is what actually happens in toy soldiers. Every time you say that uh, my, my brain immediately goes to the film, small soldiers, small soldiers. It's about this, uh, these two toy inventors. One of them creates this team of elite 
fighting forces and the other creates this sort of um, gargoyle kind of monster-esque characters. And they're like, well, these characters should fight each other. And like, we got to put some microchips in them to make them real smart. And they end up putting munitions chips, like military-grade munitions chips in these toys, which give them like super artificial intelligence. <laughs> and uh, and uh, a bunch of them get shipped to this store. And they all come to life and start trying to murder each other, and the other characters survive, and there's a big battle, and um, Phil Hartman is in it, and some other really great people. Jay Moore, David Cross, Dennis Leary. Bang. It's okay. Like, like, <laughs> like It's what I always think about, but I, I, I watched it the other day just because I was thinking about it, and I was like, this, this is all right. <laughs> this is all right. Sometimes you just, you have to say that about your favorite movies, not your favorite movies, but movies from your past where you're like okay yeah yeah you remember them very fondly but yeah yes. you kind of sit back down and you're like oh no these are very horrifying movies they say and do horrible things and and believe like are proponents of things that i cannot endorse <laughs> that is becoming much more common here recently yeah that's i mean that shows you how much culture has shifted if you just do, I we were binging '80s movies, me and my youngest, and I, uh, yeah. so, I mean, we got around to movies that would never have struck me as likely having issues. You know, The Breakfast Club was the one where I was like, "This probably we should probably do something else with our time." Where I was like, "Oh, we should probably fast forward, and that doesn't quite quite hold up, and you really shouldn't treat people that way." <laughs> there are a handful of John Hughes films that, uh, yeah. Didn't age very well in terms of like racism, but also like treating women like garbage. And it's it's all over. Revenge yeah. of the Nerds, the plot of Ooh. that movie. Now it's like, what the hell? <laughs> this got made. It's a, I love me some Back to the Future. There is the angle of I'm not sure that you could sell a studio on the premise. A guy goes back in time and has a love affair with his mom and has to, in order to get back, you know. There's a love triangle there. It's anyway. Yeah. Uh, and a, a brilliant uh, African-American recording artist steals the idea of a song from a, a high school aged white kid. <laughs> Case in point. Have you heard John Mulaney's bit about Back to the Future? <laughs> no. It's you should listen to it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it here. But it, it's the, his, he's like, should I be called Back to the Past? <laughs> like, and he goes through a whole thing. It's, it's, it's one of the best comedy bits I've ever heard. My favorite, you know who's my favorite action hero when I was a kid? Was uh, Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. That was me, he was my hero. I loved Marty McFly, he's great, right? I wanted to be like him in every way. I watched that movie again recently. Marty McFly is a 17-year-old high school student whose best friend is a disgraced nuclear physicist. And I shit you not, they never explain how they became friends. And we were all fine with it. We never even asked, you know, that we were just like, mm, who's his best friend? A disgraced nuclear physicist? Okay, yeah, proceed, yeah. No, no, just good, proceed with the movie. Well, outside in the city square, which had been locked down by the Republic forces, we now see massive casualties. And there's injuries, and there's destruction, and there's tanks on fire. And here's what we had feared. You know, it's that patrol going through the streets of Iraq kind of image at the beginning. Yeah. And here it is. The explosives have gone off and the soldiers you care about are maimed. And Anakin's running around. I need a medic over here. R2, where are you? It's a good new hope line. Watch yourself, buddy. This is still a war zone. Cody, we don't have time for the planetary scan. Hook R2 up and he'll locate the bombs. Run away, son. And, of course, we're reminded who the real hero of Star Wars is, because R2-D2 is going to find all these bombs super fast. <laughs> Anakin turns to Ahsoka. Ahsoka, let's go. Where are we going? To disarm the bombs while Obi-Wan negotiates. I hope he can buy us some time. And they're jumping on those frog-like ATRTs, and we're moving. And again, it's the case. You and I know this. If the if all the Tergudas are gone, any reason to risk your life? Uh, yeah, there's not dismantling yeah, bombs. No reason. It's uh, pointless. Sounds like a lot of this war, huh? Sounds like a lot of war in general. <laughs> we could just keep keep that illustration going. <laughs> we could. Obi Wan, knowing that Skywalker has heard the conversation, says, "Very well, I surrender." 
Long before this war, you Jedi destroyed the great Zygerian slave empire. I would kill you now, but Tuku would prefer you alive. I understand your frustration. It is unfortunate you and I cannot resolve our differences as you do in the Zygerian tradition. Villain starts monologuing about how badly they've been treated and the hero begins stalling for his friends. That's a that's a good trope. Yes. There's there's some James Bond here imagery. We've talked about how much we we like Obi-Wan as kind of this Roger Moore character. But here, Dinar starts petting the bird like Blofeld. Yeah, he, he's definitely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some some pretty serious, like, no, Mr. Bond, let me explain to you what is happening right now. <laughs> that's, that's it. This is the price of failure, Mr. Bond. You will see that my piranha fish get very hungry. They can strip a man to the bone in 30 seconds. Get him talking. That's the whole thing in Incredibles, right? The get him monologuing. You got me monologuing. Yeah, yeah. Sinistro. You got me monologuing. <laughs> Denar says, <laughs> With no weapons, you would fight me? For good reason. Say... If I win, you reveal the location of the colonists and the bombs. Which, R2 already knows all the bombs. And there's no colonists. Just not going to get much <laughs> for this uh, trade here, Obi-Wan. And if I win, I'll deliver you to Dooku in a cage like one of these filthy creatures. Perhaps. And Denar just jumps in, headbutts Kenobi, throws him to the ground, and a fight yeah, ensues. Yeah, just doesn't even give him a fighting chance. Like, yeah. not even a like, all right, sure, yeah, let's do that, good idea. <clears throat> all right, here we go. It just right away starts beating the hell out of him. <laughs> Kenobi seems clearly overmatched here, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Denar even starts making fun of him. Careful, you're disturbing my pets. They fetch a high price. And we cut to Cody, who's looking at R2-D2's discoveries. General Skywalker, your droid's transmitting the bomb coordinates now. Copy that, Cody. We're approaching the first bomb now. Let's go. Then we cut to droids in front of a large hectagonal bomb, and we see Anakin and Ahsoka around the corner. Ahsoka, again, acrobatically launches at them with her sabers, begins just wrecking droids. Lots of decapitations. Yeah, she's she's a machine. <laughs> she removes a cover on the bomb and says, There must be a wire we should cut. Or something to stop the countdown. Stand back. Cuts the bomb apart. Huh. How did you know that would work? I trusted my instincts. You mean you guessed. Yeah, but it was an educated guess. Now come on, there's plenty more to go. I got two questions for you on this. Mm -hmm. One, I don't know if Anakin is really that reckless. Do you think Anakin's that reckless? I think he might know, but he's just playing with her. I don't know if it's necessarily recklessness, but I do think I do think there's a certain amount of like, okay, I hope this works. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hope that it does. Do you have that friend? Who does stuff like that in your presence? Y yes, but also sometimes I'm that friend. <laughs> Not with like dangerous, reckless things, but just in trying to like problem solve and figure things out. There's times when I'm like, well, I'm just going to say this and do this and about 45% sure that maybe that's right. That, that strikes me as you're doing your best with what you got. This feels yeah. reckless. This feels like if it doesn't work, you've just blown up your student and yourself. I mean, I, th I think there is some of that in there. <laughs> in in what you do or what? You know, in what he he no yeah. no I've, not me. I again nothing with nothing that could ever be considered dangerous because I don't <laughs> take risks, as you know. Um, no, I think in it with Anakin, like I think there is yeah. a certain degree of like okay, I'm just gonna pull the blue wire. <laughs> I I have a sense that there's something here that he knows that if he does this, it's 
going to work and he's if not certain fairly confident but it makes it fun because then there's banter there. That but whole scene is so good too. Like, do you just, like that? I really, really do. Both yeah. both of them interacting together. It's just like they're you. It, this feels like a friendship. Well, that's the thing. To, in the Clone Wars so far, he doesn't have this relationship with anybody else. Yeah, agreed. And I think that makes it really worthwhile. I think the voice actors even know, hey, when it's just us here's the tone or even the pitches that we use to communicate because yeah, it, it just goes to a different place. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's still serious cause it's in the middle of battle, but there's something very like it's teasing. It's playful. It's just fun. Like yep. they're friends. We cut back to the throne room. Obi-Wan is not faring well in his uh, fist fight. Dinar says, for thousands of years, Nigeria supplied slave labor to the galaxy. We prospered. Our customers prospered. Then the Jedi came. More monologuing? Yeah, seriously. This is some <laughs> this is some quintessential villain monologuing. There's there's a lot of Obi-Wan abuse here. Is there something about the force that keeps him from having gut punches really hurt him? Because Yeah, he, he is taking it. He is taking a beating. Later, let me contrast this with stuff we see later in this arc. He will get really hurt in some of the future episodes. So I, I'm, I'm curious, if it, is he just taking a beating or is it the case that he's so much stronger that he's just acting here? I don't know. Well, Denar chokes Obi-Wan and a hologram appears. Excuse me, sir. We have a problem. What problem? It's like strangling Obi-Wan on his desk. And the droid says, Our spotters are tracking two enemy walkers moving And here's where we know Obi-Wan is actually the one in control. Because he quickly reverses the hold. Yeah. Slams Dinar's face into the communication. And uh, we're not hearing that message. Brilliant. <laughs> Cut back to Anakin and Ahsoka, who have only two more bombs now. Anakin says, These are the last one. And they jump from the transports and cut up a set of super battle droids there in front of them. So apparently the defense is getting a little thicker here at the end. Why? That's what, you know, like yeah. now knowing that nobody's there, like why? Yeah. I, maybe it's, we have to really sell this thing, but yeah, I mean, it's the two bombs, it's the snipers, it's the super battle droids. They make it real tough here at the end. Mm hmm. Defuse the box. I'll cover you. Master, I think the bombs are late. You're supposed to disarm them, not activate them. There's just another great moment. Like it's yeah. it's it's playful and fun, even in a even in sort of a heightened moment of tension. And to circle back to some of the some of the movies that have focused again on the the wars recently that America has waged the bombs and the, what was the movie with uh, diffusing bombs? It won best picture, I think. Oh, the hurt locker, but uh, yeah. Catherine, Catherine Bigelow's movie. Yes. Which beat James, beat James Cameron, uh, which there's just something kind of something real wonderful about that. Cause they <laughs> used to be married. What are you doing? There's enough banging there to send us all to Jesus. I'm going to die. I'm going to die comfortable. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'll have to yeah. look that up. Yeah, it's kind of fun, because he sucks. <laughs> Ahsoka said, Droids, on the roof! If they're connected, we'll have to defuse them at the same time. And we see those roller droids firing from above, and apparently these last bombs are more heavily guarded, again, than the others. Ahsoka and Anakin hit the bolts back at the snipers, but they're not successful. Our shields are too strong! And so they're taking cover. This looks like a hard task. We cut back to the throne room, and Obi-Wan Kenobi is being punched again across the room, sliding across the floor. Obi-Wan says to himself, Come on, Anakin. Hurry up. <laughs> and we cut back. I'm pinned down. Master, we're running out of time. I know. We have to do something. Be quick. So... 
They're weak from the side. I've got an angle on your droid. Okay. I've got a view of yours, too. Same time. Ready? Go! And we see the countdown is getting close. It looks like, I think they stole the Predator countdown. It looks like the same kind of countdown system on this bomb. Yeah. But I like this idea. You have to shoot my guy, I have to shoot yours, and then we'll make it. Mm -hmm. Both jump out, hit the snipers simultaneously, and they then run over, cut the two bombs in half. <sighs> that was a close one. Let's hope Obi-Wan shares our luck. Nope. But here's the thing, Daniel. In Obi-Wan's experience, there's no such thing as luck. That's right. <laughs> we have a job to do, Anakin. Try not to upset him. <laughs> Again, though, good teamwork. And it's establishing what's probably most important in shows like this. And again, this is one of the primary reasons that we're putting this into the binge. It's not just the fun. It's you need to have these sorts of bonding moments. We're working together, experiencing success, joking all the while to really say these people love each other, care about each other, enjoy being with each other. Well, and to show the bond that's already there. Like, yeah, there's bonding, but like they've bonded and it's it's a real like a, a a shared language and sense of humor with people that you're friends with is I think the easiest way to show like look at there's clearly a relationship here. These people know how to joke with each other. Yes. That's it. Back to the throne room. Dinar lifts Obi-Wan up in a chokehold and Now I'll take revenge for my people. Jedi. Sir, you have an urgent transmission. Sorry to interrupt, sir, but you weren't responding. What is it? Uh, the Jedi have disarmed your bombs. <laughs> what? Give me the detonator. And again, toy soldiers. Pushes the button. Nothing. And then Obi-Wan in complete control, apparently. It certainly took him long enough this time. <laughs> Love this as a stalling image. Uh, and it's again, we kind of mentioned that this happens occasionally in film. You got any favorite stallings in, uh, in movies? Um, stallings? I don't know if it counts as stalling, but the beginning of Avengers where Black Widow is clearly in peril. She's got the Russian mobsters around her. Oh, yeah. And then she gets a phone call. <laughs> we need you to come in. Are you kidding? I'm working. This takes precedence. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. You know, and I then proceeds yeah. to just rack some mobsters. Let me put you on hold. Well, Obi-Wan does something here that we're going to see Luke do in the Mandalorian hallway scene, which I can't recall anywhere else in Star Wars. There, it might be here, but he uses the Force to quickly elevate the two commando droids and then just crushes them. Mm -hmm. And these things, as we know, when we, we saw rookies, these things are intimidating. And here, Obi-Wan just disposes of them quickly, violently, not much effort. Yeah. Pulls his lightsaber off the desk across the room, turns to Dinar. Well, shall we discuss your surrender? Again. Which is very Roger Moore. I still have one bomb left, Jedi. And he starts a countdown on the back of the tactical droid. Who shout doesn't the doesn't the droid shout something to the effect of like, how could you do this? It's like, what do you mean? This guy's a slave trader. Clearly he's not operating in any sort of ethical way, and you're shocked that he did this? Come on, guy. As a tactical droid, your judge of character is really poor. Yeah, those seem like <laughs> uh, tactical things to understand. It's almost romantic betrayal here. It's, how could you? <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. And then he starts running around, get it off, get it off, get it off, because, of course, droids have souls and don't want to experience they pain. They don't want to die. Dinar pushes the droid on top of Kenobi, runs for escape. Obi-Wan pushes the droid aside, but Dinar goes down that elevator. Kenobi then force throws the tactical droid out the window and just lets it explode outside. It's hardcore. It is hardcore. I suppose he just crushed two other droids uh, quite ferociously. So mm -hmm. Obi-Wan turns to his wrist communicator and says, Anakin! 
Dinar is making his escape from the tower. On our way. We'll never catch him in time. I am not letting that slaver scum get away. And they ride off again on the scout transports, and Dinar's running for a large separatist ship, and it's filled with exotic animals in cages, one of which is called a Blixus. It's the only time it appears in Star Wars. Yeah, that's sort of H.P. Lovecraft-looking monster. Right? <laughs> that is what it is. It also looks, I mean, it looks like the Rathtars that we see in uh, Force Awakens. Oh, yes, that's right. And just in case you wanted to look up the dates, this cartoon is four years earlier than Force Awakens. So same kind of idea. Might have mm -hmm. got stolen from, from here and used elsewhere. Is it stolen if it's in the same universe? I suppose it's it's a ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I looked this up. Fun fact. All these creatures are evolutionary cousins of the Sarlacc in Return of the Jedi. Oh, and I keep mentioning it, but there's going to be another one of these characters in the Battle of Umbara. So for those of you who've seen that, yeah, it's these these creatures that have big mouths and lots of octopus arms going on, and little tiny little tiny pincers. Right. We see Anakin and Ahsoka running out on the scout transports. And they thrust off them toward the ship. Very athletic move here. Anakin cuts a hole in one of the engines, and as the ship struggles to maintain flight, Ahsoka says, So, what's your plan? I'm open to ideas. I suppose there is uh, our theory has come back around. Maybe he doesn't know that those yeah, bombs little, aren't going to explode. A little reckless. <laughs> that, that one was reckless for sure. Well, two doors open, and they are able to go into the loading zone of the ship, and we see Dinar within, and he's says to a computer screen hungry my pet i'll feed you and he opens the cage of his blixis with his computer and then a battle ensues with the two jedi and the blixis in the loading zone and we see the octopus looking creature grabbing anakin and ahsoka and they're severing you know its arms what is that called what's the dra dragon uh oh it's hydra isn't that oh, what yeah, you the, call those yeah the, many headed yeah. Monster. But with fortunately with the Blixis, its appendages do not grow back when they are severed. Like with Hydra, if you cut off one head, two more come back. Master! Soka, you're only making it angry! I'll handle it. Go stabilize the ship! Now I like this scene. This next scene's good. Soka enters the cockpit. And Dinar turns, completely underestimates her. Mm-hmm. This was actually one of, in our in the first part of this episode when I said there's some Ahsoka moments that I think are incredible. This was yep. one of the first ones that came to mind for me. <laughs> young Jedi, you'll learn your place. I'm not so young anymore. Ahsoka is not intimidating. Not even a little bit. This is a guy who's used to abusing women. Because he's he's a he's a slaver, and that's not how things are going to go with this one. Nope, nope, nope. She routinely is looking like a teenager, treated like a teenager, but she is a seasoned soldier, a formidable opponent, and she doesn't suffer fools. Nope. We see Anakin stab the Blixus, and it falls out of the craft, and he like. Almost falls. In the mouth. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. We're like, as I watched it, he did that. And I was like, oh, oh, good move. But, oh. You're feeling feeling the pain of the Blixus? Yeah, just like, oh. It's like when you're eating, like, something like a shell or <laughs> chips, and it stabs the roof of your mouth. Like, even just that, you're like, oh, that's one of the, like, top five worst pains. <laughs> so just, like, ratchet that up a, a million. That's quite right. We, we cut back. We don't even see a fight. Ahsoka has just quickly disposed of this ass clown is what's happened. Yeah, he's got him pinned, which I uh, hasten to point out, this guy was kicking the shit out of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ooh, there you go. And, and Ahsoka has got him pinned down because she is a badass. Mission accomplished, Master. 
Where are the colonists? I will tell you nothing. Where are they? Again, there's, there's my Batman yeah, it's parallel. It, yeah. Swear to me. That's it. Ahsoka, however, is shown in the background, and she's clearly taken back by the anger here, which she hasn't seen. Yeah. Anakin thrusts him aside, and this is where the Filoni quote that I wanted to bring up might fall. Um, Filoni on this says, I think challenging those ideas about Anakin and slavery and his mother and, and what happened to her and what his life was are very important ideas, and I think that's why it's good to, that we are touching upon them. And I think, you know, the challenge for us creatively is that, unfortunately, we can never solve any of those problems mm -hmm. fully. We can present them. We can start him to a path of understanding and hope that the audience understands that which the character of Anakin Skywalker cannot, that he can never take the final full step to being this more enlightened person because he keeps getting pulled back down. That's a that's great, right? I think that's I, obviously that's the challenge that he knows in his bones because he's he's doing you know seven seasons of mm -hmm. this show, and here's the thing: your primary character cannot grow up and and win in the end. Yeah, because because the end of his story's already been told. I mean, we've referenced Breaking Bad and Godfather Two a couple times. But it's it's got that kind of thing, and you can't go too far because a lot of his self destruction is gonna need to be showcased through that movie, big time. And so you have big time. You actually have to get Anakin to that first scene where he's a hero fl flying beside Kenobi, willing to sacrifice himself to save Kenobi. And uh, how do you get there? And we're gonna see it in the Clone Wars, just in my opinion, they highlight some great ways of showing the dark soul of Anakin without going too far, but certainly going far enough. And and it's just, it's just really done well. It's dark enough to be worrisome. Like if you had a friend react that way to something, you might go, ooh, mm -hmm. all right. Somebody's having yeah. a bad day and, and maybe kind of move on from it. Like it's not so... It's not so unsettling or disturbing where it's like, all right, sit down and we're going to talk through what in the yes. hell just happened. Like it's, yeah. it's just enough to where you're like, yikes, oh, they're having a bad day or it's stressful. Oh, okay. Well, he used to be a slave. So I guess now that I know that I can see there's some tension here. Like it's not quite bad enough yeah. to be, to be actionable. That's a good way to put it. Who Anakin gets mad in front of actually matters because there'll, there'll be some times where he is really wrestling with some Vader stuff and he's by himself. And there's a couple of scenes where he's wrestling with Vader stuff, but it's in front of a disposable person or it's in front of a person that is not going to last long <laughs> in this story mm. because the Vader stuff. Um, right. Leave us. You will answer my questions. Your feeble Jedi mind tricks do not work on Geonosians. The other Jedi already learned this. Mind tricks? I don't need mind tricks to get you to talk. I will never talk, Jedi. We'll see about that, Poggle. You know, and so there's some of that. There's there's a great scene that opens um, Stephen King's Dead Zone in which the villain who's going to become president someday and destroy everything is shown as a Bible salesman. And he comes up to a house and he w walks in the yard and there's a big dog that comes out and, and he gets thrown back and he falls on the ground, but the dog is chained and he didn't realize it. And he gets up and he looks around and nobody's around and he pulls out a can of mace and he maces the dog down and he kicks the dog to death. And then he goes on to the next house. And sometimes you show the villainy when nobody else is around. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's some, that's some great storytelling right there. Even in the, in the, like, I think the first episode of house of cards, 
Mm. But the character of Frank Underwood, there's that scene where that dog gets hit by a car and he's he's kind of the first person on the mm-hmm. scene and he just murders that dog because he says he has no he has no use for pain that's unnecessary or, or whatever yeah. it is. And granted, he knows we're watching him, so I guess it's a little yep. bit different. But in the sense of like everybody who is around and might be able to see him, nobody yeah. sees him do that. So you're like, oh, this is the kind of this is the quality of person we're dealing with here. Yeah. Character moments. Well, Dinar looks at Aiken and says, My queen is going to bring back the royal slave auction, as in the days before the Jedi. Zygeria will be rich and powerful again. The Jedi will not stop us this time. <sighs> we'll see about that. And we leave them with Ahsoka seeing Anakin's rage for the first time and clearly disturbed. And as we've been saying, it's like, well, what do you do when that dark side pops up is this common is this really there is it something that oh it doesn't it doesn't come up all that often so we're not going to worry about it and also in this one like yeah he's angry at a guy who just kidnapped a bunch of people and sold them into slavery so it's like well yeah that is worthy of rage so like do you get do you call that out exact same thing that we see with Daenerys Targaryen yeah, yeah. She says she's breaking chains. She's barbecuing slaveholders. Yeah. We obviously didn't communicate clearly. We had to discuss your surrender, not mine. I imagine it's difficult adjusting to the new reality. Your reign is over. My reign has just begun. Cut to Coruscant. We see the Jedi Council chambers. Hologram of Yularen uh, there, conversing with the holograms of Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. General Skywalker, I ran the bioscan twice, but the results were negative. Are you saying the colonists are not in the city? Wait a second. Dun-dun-dun. This whole war was about nothing? Gosh, I didn't, I totally missed that, and I love that that's what they're showing here. Mm Mm-hmm. You weren't actually fighting about anything. I'm saying they're not even on the planet. The entire population appears to have simply vanished. Vanished? That's impossible. Those are my people. Dare we say it's inconceivable. Because <laughs> she says it's impossible. No, they they just took all the people. Yeah, no, they, you know? they did it. Yeah. She, she keeps using that word. I don't think it means what she thinks it means. <laughs> Check notes. Oh, the episode is titled Kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> if only they had seen the, if only they had the uh, the uh, movie of the film, like in Spaceballs. When will then be now? Right now. Soon. You're looking at now, now. <laughs> Mr. Coffee. That's right. I always have coffee when I want Mr. Radar. Everybody knows that. Of course we do, sir. Yoda says... Troubling is the return of the Zygarians. It is likely they mean to use Dooku to rebuild their slaver empire. We cannot allow that, Master. Agree, I do. But first, find the colonists. You must. In great danger they are. I love these last two lines from Yoda. Same. What is it, Master? Sense, I do. A darker hand in this mystery. Slavery. A great tool it is for the rise of the sin. And the camera moves immediately to Anakin. <laughs> and you caught that. <laughs> oh, of course I did. Very I, well done. I did not. It took me reading, reading it, and I'm like, oh, the thing in the thing. Yeah. All the clues are there. Really good storytelling. Hey, Yoda, what's a great tool uh, for the rise of the Sith? And Anakin. Who in your, and who in your midst Used to be enslaved. Yeah. Anakin is the right tool for the rise of the Sith. Such a good line. Um, But it also shows that Yoda is a strategist. He's caring and just can't get there. And uh, that's that other tension. They have to play that out over and over and over again. And obviously we make fun of it sometimes, but really well done. It's super well done. I just, like, like I said in the first one, for this being kind of a Star Wars story that I've not heard anything about, 
just a just just a really good. I, I keep wanting to say just a fun advent, fun adventure, and it's not because it's dealing with slavery and deception and everything else. But it just it just has one of those Star Wars story feels where I'm like, yeah. yes, I got all the Star Wars things that I enjoy. That's a good way to put it. The next two episodes, which I think are really quality, have a ton of Return of the Jedi for me um, in them. And I'll, I'll hit just, there's lots of beats there that I think are, are really fun and worth talking about and saying, you know, from Ahsoka's role in the story to how Anakin um, processes things. And eh, it's just, I, uh, that's yeah, exactly I, it. Just I caught a couple, I, I wrote a couple down too, so. There you go. Well, we'll talk. We might have to discuss a moral uh, issue in the Star Wars fandom, which is uh, we need to talk about some Slave Leia and how do you think through this? Oh, dear. Okay. You know what I mean? I do. That that may come up in the next episode. Ruh-roh. Ruh-roh. Well, next time, we're going to jump into, uh, what, season four, episode 12. It's called Slaves of the Republic. Friends. As with all podcasts, this one's only going to survive if you share it with passion to friends who love a galaxy far, far away. You can find our binge list online, and you can share your thoughts with us on the Twitter. He's Daniel Mothershed. You're a long way from home, Captain. And I'm Jeff Cook. I'm going to die. I'm going to die comfortable. <laughs> you want to know why that's a good thing to do, Daniel? Because that this is the way? This is the way. Is this the way? Keep your heads down and your seals.